Napa know-how. Right now at Napa, grab a five-quart jug of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for just $28.99. It keeps out harmful sludge to help reduce wear on your engine, which is important if you like cars that, you know, run smoothly. So keep your engine healthy with Mobile One, now just $28.99. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 531.19. Hey there, welcome to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. I'm Nick Coleus, the host up in here, and today I wanted to share a conversation with you that I recently had with Meg Gallagher, aka Meg Squats. Now she's been a guest on the podcast before, and she's also a competitive powerlifter and the 2018 Bodybuilding.com women's spokesmodel winner. When I spoke with her, Meg was also just a couple of weeks out from competing at the U.S. APL Raw Nationals Powerlifting Competition. This is a huge competition with well over a thousand competitors, and Meg has been a fixture there for the last few years while she's been building her brand and building her prominence on places like YouTube, Instagram, and just in the general culture of strength. For instance, we do have a great eight-week program with her on Bodybuilding.com All Access called Uplifted, Build Muscle and Strength with Meg Squats. You should really check it out. I talked with Meg about her prep for this competition, how she's blended bodybuilding and powerlifting in her training in recent years, and how freaky it can kind of be to feel good during an important physical prep, which is kind of where she's at right now. There's also all kinds of good advice and tips in here for powerlifters and women who are following Uplifted, but also for just anyone trying to make the most of their bodies, get as strong as possible, and keep it going for years at a time. If you know Meg, you know she's always frank and always fun to listen to, so enjoy. You already squat? I did. I got my squats out of the way. Now I'm ready to talk to make squats. Good for you. <laughs> Good. I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, they, they were they were easy enough. I'm not sure they were, they were really hard enough for, for what you would want. But I don't know. I've just always been curious about those old school breathing squats programs. Have you ever looked at those? Yeah. What what week are you on? Oh, uh, this is day one. So it was just, you know, one set, oh. of, one set of 30 with um, 95 pounds. It's really nothing special. But it's just such an interesting thing because you... You know, the set took like two and a half minutes to do. <laughs> yeah. Like you just you do a rep, 30, that's then rep. you breathe. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Thinking of, as I was about 23 reps into 30, it got me thinking that I should ask you, what's the, what's the most grueling set or workout of squats that you can recall doing off the top of your head when you're like, oh my God, when is this fucking thing going to end? Hmm, I think 10s are probably the worst, 10s and 12s. I don't go much higher than that, though. I won't lie to you. Uh, <laughs> um but I would say of all of the, you know, various intensities and like set numbers that you could do, that is probably the worst. Mm-hmm. Anything from eight to 12 is pretty bad. And, you know, that's where most of my sets are, though, until I'm prepping. So until I'm like 12 weeks out, I'm usually in that rep range um, unless I'm, you know, trying to push for a certain PR or something. Sure. but training right now is so nice because I'm so close to the meat that I never see a set of eight (laughs) or above, you know, I'm, I'm really focused in on the high intensities and the lower rep ranges. So like right where I want to be. No, it seems like you, yeah, you have a lot of purpose right now. I was watching one of your videos the other day. Uh, It was, I thought it was really interesting because it reminded me of this. uh, There's a strength coach I like named Dan John, who likes to talk about park bench and bus bench workouts. The park bench is basically like Mm -hmm. you're you're sitting there, you're punching the clock, you're doing stuff, but you're not really, you know, you're not on, on the clock really. And then there are the bus bench workouts where you have a time frame, a goal, you follow the program. God damn it. Nothing's getting in the way. I think in your video, you called it going ham sandwich. You're right in the middle of that (laughs) right now, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. 
So, but remind us, remind our listeners what exactly you're building up to and what your history with this event is like. Yeah, so I'm getting ready for USAPL Raw Nationals. Um, so this is my fourth time doing this meet. It's my favorite because everyone is there. So I get to see all of my friends and I get to lift. Luckily, I lift on Thursdays so I can kind of hang out with everyone for the rest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the biggest meet of the year. I think last year there were 1,600 lifters. I oh think this my. Year, so it's a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit smaller this year because the qualifying totals have gone up a bit. Um, but yeah, it's my favorite meet, and that's why I've been kind of doing it so consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great just because you get to see everyone um, that's in sort of the raw powerlifting world, um, at least USAPL said. Is this what your year sort of hinges around? Yeah, definitely. Um, the past two years, this has been the only meet that I've done. And, you know, I kind of just take like a full year off. Um, not that I would suggest that other lifters do that, but since maybe my life is a little crazy where I, I have the opportunity to travel a bit more, um, or at least that's what I've been doing. I like to take some time off and, you know, I'm still training, but mm-hmm. it's not really powerlifting focused training. It's I'm traveling. I'm always on the go. Um, so it's nice to kind of give myself a full year to, take a little bit of a break and, um, you know, just get motivated again, like halfway through the year and know that, you know, now it's time to focus. Uh, and then sure. I just kind of do whatever I want uh, in between there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big meet for me. Um, it's like the one thing that I do in the year that, you know, I'm really focused on. I'm always focused on getting stronger but I guess this specific date is the opportunity that I get to actually express the strength that I've built over a full year. Um, so yeah, it's kind of nice to do it on like a bigger stage and you know, it's, it's the frequency of competition that doesn't drive me crazy and keeps me coming back every year. So it's really just works what works, uh, for what I'm doing. Yeah. No, I think that's an interesting point. You mentioned in, in, uh, in your video that you're, you're, you're going ham sandwich and people think might think like, Oh yeah, that, that has to be stressful, but you almost sound like you're relieved to have that sense of purpose. Like, all right, yeah, this is, it's all been great. And now I'm saying no to stuff. I'm living this boring lifestyle and I'm kind it kind of feels great to do that for a little while. Yeah, it definitely does. Because I know that it's not what my, you know, life is going to look like forever. And I know that, you know, me buckling down is kind of this relaxing thing where, you know, I kind of just made a choice and I just have to follow like what that choice tells me to do and how I can like honor the choice that I made to compete. Um, it's kind of easy to say no to things when you're focused. Right. Um, and you know, I don't really have that focus other times of the year because I am sort of like trying to get a lot of work done and trying to create the things that I create to have a job. You know, I'm kind of running all over the place you know, making videos with other people and collaborating on different projects. And it's really nice and it's fun. Um, but it's been kind of cool to say no to things just to say, or maybe it's not saying a complete no, but it's like, just hold on, hold the thought and I'll be back after October 12th and then we can do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a nice space to be in because, um, 
yeah, I do get to be a little bit bored, uh, but I think I'm okay with that boredom, uh, at least in my social life and other otherwise, um, because I know that's not going to be like that forever. Sure. Um, I sort of have a little break from that too. Some people can never really quite get that feeling, though. They can't, they can't be okay with the idea of saying no to things and sort of trusting that it'll all, it'll all be there when you're done. Um, have you struggled with that, with this competition or with other competitions in the past? Or have you always kind of been able to turn it on, turn it off when you needed to? Mm, I think in the past, right now I'm in a place where I'm a little more secure, um, which I'm really fortunate to have that. Like, I feel pretty secure in my career and secure that, um, like if Meg squats doesn't show up at every single event, she's not just going to disappear off the face of the earth. Um, right. Cause that pressure is there to sort of always be moving and always be working on something and always be, you know, say yes to everything. Um, in the past I've been scared that if I, you know, if I don't take advantage of all these opportunities that I'm getting, it's going to be over. And I think now I've reframed it to know that, you know, my, the past five years of work that I've put in is not just going to disappear from under me if I take a few months of, of solitude. Um, so that's, you know, something that I had to work for, um, because that, that's like fear was a real thing in the past. I feel like now I've sort of made a name for myself. Um, not that I'm going to, you know, forget about everything for an entire year, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. Um, it's okay to stay in one place for me at this moment in time. Um, and I, you know, I'm starting to just get better at strategizing my year and figuring out like when I can travel more and when I can, you know, make things work. But, um, it is, it has been, uh, to get back to your original question. Um, it, it is a scary thing. Um, but I think now, you know, I've been scared of it for many years and I've, you know, kind of always given into my career. And since I'm only competing once a year, it's kind of, I feel like I owe it to myself to figure out if, you know, will I do much better um, this year if I, you know, choose a more relaxed lifestyle and Mm -hmm. focus, spend more energy focused in um, and, and make more sacrifices to worry about the meat. Um, you know, to be honest with you though, if I show up to the meet and I, you know, don't feel like if the results aren't worth it, that's definitely something that I'll consider because I don't have to, you know, stop traveling to compete. Like you can still do that. Maybe you won't feel as great. Um, and right now I've been noticing, like, I just recover much faster. I feel overall more at peace and, rested, um, probably because I've been sleeping a lot more than usual. Um, but I definitely feel much better, but if it doesn't show through on the platform, or if I notice that like maybe those sacrifices weren't worth the extra, I don't know, five kilos that I got, then I'll definitely reconsider it for future competitions. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it'll be worth it. I'm kind of figuring that out. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see. No, I think that's, that's an interesting, interesting way to put it because yeah, we are, we're, we're not talking about just, Hey, a day where you're going to go test your PR and if it's great, it's great. It's not, it's not, we're talking about a competition and it's a competition that you have a history with. So you have a history of, you know, this is what I did. Am I getting stronger? Am I staying the same? Am I getting weaker? 
Um, so, so I don't know what, what how, how important is the, yeah, that, that number on the stage to, to you or on the platform to you? Is it something you feel like you can just put in into context and take it for what it is or four years, five years into this program, does it mean more now that you have all this experience behind you? Hmm. I think it's definitely, it's more important to me, but my approach is more relaxed, if that makes sense. Um, I think I was, you know, as you show up to the same meet every year, you just kind of know what to expect and you are more comfortable with the choices that you make leading up to it. And because you know what choices are the right ones to make leading up to it. Mm -hmm. So I think the competition overall is, more competitive as opposed to the first time that I competed in it. Um, the like a power lifting over the past four years has just really exploded. And um, I'm proud of that. And that's exactly what I wanted to happen. So it's great. But the uh, for the athlete in me, it's made it so that it's really hard for me to break into like the top 10 um, and that's what I hope to do with this competition. Um, that's been a big goal of mine. I've been like for the past three years, I've just been falling, um, short of that top 10 or maybe the past two years. The first year, I think I finished ninth place at this national level competition. And, you know, I'd always thought, okay, maybe I can like keep breaking through, um, and like make my way up to the top five, maybe. But now, um, you know, that was my goal maybe three years ago. And now it's just so competitive that I think last year I finished 14th or 13th, something like that. And now it's like, okay, I'm spending all this time. I hope that I am strong enough to get back in the top 10. That would be great. Um, I'd be really, really proud of that. So, um, you know, I hope that I can get back into the top 10 and I've been taking things more seriously because the competition is so this and getting even more competitive. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think the, I, I'm more serious about it, uh, because I know what the right things are to do and I know how to be more serious about it. I think beginner lifters, they feel like they're very committed and passionate. And I think, Maybe that passion is there, but they don't have the strategy to really execute um, like how they, they wish they could. And sometimes like being passionate isn't enough to really perform well. You have to have the experience and you have to have the, you know, all the things that um, lead up to making a really boring press. Um, it's not as sexy as it seems, you know, it is really boring and it is really um, strategic. Um, so yeah, damn more serious, but that seriousness doesn't, you know, it's kind of relaxed. Like mm -hmm. it's not really this intense. I'm not like this intense person who's so obsessed with the sport. I mean, I am, but it's a very, it's a very relaxed, uh, intensity, I guess. I like that. Yeah. And you had, you had a great line in one of your videos recently where you said, I've never felt so good in a prep. I was wondering, does this feeling good freak you out at all? Like, you know, this should feel worse. My body should hate this. <laughs> um, you know, I've been, uh, there have been a lot of other lifters 
who I don't know if they're responding to me um, and saying how good I feel, but they've been kind of talking about fatigue more and maybe reassuring their lifters how they should feel. Um, so I wonder, like, you know, I don't know how many other lifters that are able to have the privilege to relax. Like, uh, I'm able to step back a little bit from work because I'm lucky enough to now have a team that you know, helps me out more than they did in years prior. Um, so I'm able to not stress myself out with work as much. I'm able to say no to travel. Most people don't have that privilege. Most people, like if their boss says, Hey, you got to go travel for like two weeks before you meet, you kind of just have to do it. Um, so I think my perspective on fatigue is like, definitely, uh, I'm definitely one of the lucky ones. And part of me is like, haha. But you don't know what it's like to completely close all the other doors and focus and, like, lock yourself in a room. Um, at least I'm assuming that other people don't know what that's sure. like. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really lucky this year that I'm able to do that. Um, it does freak me out a little bit. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said, like, oh, shoot, have I, should I have been pushing it harder? Um, but honestly, I, I probably wouldn't keep powerlifting if I always felt the way I felt in other me, you know, mm -hmm. I think that would intimidate me more. And the stress of physically feeling bad would be something that would not have me feeling in a good mental space or in a good physical space either. So yeah, I guess it's like a little bit, I'm in unknown territory because I've never felt as good as I do feel leading up to this meet. Um, but I, I'd be, I think I'd be, foolish to think that were a bad thing mm -hmm. okay yeah i think i think that's a good that's a good explanation uh and especially when you're talking about powerlifting as a sport exploding and just you know more women lifting heavier there's a certain kind of fatigue that does come with lifting heavy for the first time for an extended period of time that maybe people aren't aren't prepared for you know um, somebody, somebody who's, you know, in the middle of your program and is just kind of, you know, struggling along maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know. How, how do you, how do you recommend that they deal with fatigue or, or know that maybe, yeah, I'm, I am pushing it a little bit too hard. This is real fatigue. It's not just me kind of being tired. Yeah. I think some of the biggest things to remember are to follow the program that is written out for you. Uh, people start getting strong and they get so excited and then they want to keep pushing that strength um forgetting that there's a program written so that you could follow it um you know then i think that induces fatigue earlier than what it's supposed to sometimes so it's really just follow the plan and also if you're starting to notice that the plan set for you is too much and you can't recover um first uh try to eat more or sleep more. And then if that doesn't work, then instead of, you know, introducing all these crazy recovery methods or doing anything not too expensive with like getting massages or going out of your way to do anything, then drop the volume a little bit. Um, and then, you know, see how your body responds to that drop in volume. Um, if you're not recovering, then, you know, check on the volume check on your sleep and check on your nutrition. Most of the time people don't have sleep or nutrition in check. And those are the easiest things to like try and adjust. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that it's too easy, but you know, um, it's easier than like going to get cryotherapy or something like that. So cheaper anyway, check those things. Yeah. Right. Definitely cheaper. 
Um, so check those things. And then, you know, there's no shame in lowering some of your volume. I usually suggest people to take out some of your bro stuff first. So start from the bottom of your, like start with the least specific uh, movements that you have and take some of those out and then, you know, then go up to your main movements. So yeah, I think those, uh, so it's like follow the plan, check in on your sleep nutrition. And then if that's, those things aren't in check, then maybe think about dropping some of your volume in, in whatever way that you can do to where you're still performing the specific movements that you need to, um, and so trying to follow the program. It's interesting hearing you talk about sleep. I remember I, I talked to Mark Twite once, which is this guy who is a trainer in Salt Lake City who, you know, he trained the guys in 300 and he did these really incredible transformations with these different movie stars. And I asked him, like, what kind of the secret is? And he says, the secret is these guys, I make them sleep 10 hours a night. If you want to work with me, that's one of the that's one of the mandatory things is you have to sleep 10 hours a night, no less than that. And he said, once you do that, once you sleep more than you think you need to sleep, all things are possible. It's amazing what your body can put up with. Uh, I was wondering how, how you, uh, you said you've been sleeping more during this prep. How have you been able to crack that nut? I let myself sleep in now, which is something that I never did um, because I've been, you know, just convincing myself that my email inbox is not the most important thing in my life right now. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll just be organizing my email inbox and I'm like, I'm not doing any work. I'm just organizing the email inbox. It's so stupid. So I think I used to let things like that stress me out and it would, you know, kind of keep me up at night if that wasn't completely clear, which is a mindless task. So I've been definitely trying to manage my stress when it comes to work. And that has helped me sleep a lot more. Um, and it's sort of just letting go of the mindless work that you do every day, mm-hmm. let go of that and focus on the big projects. Um, and so I've been able to manage my time, um, in that way to make more time for sleep. And now I'm trying to adjust my sleep schedule so that it's sleeping in less and going to bed early because, I compete or at least I weigh in at 7 a.m. So I, you know, usually I wake up around like seven or eight, um, but I'm trying to adjust my schedule so that I'm used to waking up at 6 a.m. and going to bed a little bit earlier so that in two weeks when I'm ready to compete, me getting up at 6 a.m. is not a big deal at all. So, yeah, it's just been about managing work and stress and you know, that's another thing where I'm just trying to be as productive as I can throughout the day. Um, Saying no to social engagements is nice because whatever sleep I lose for, um, or whatever work time I lose for sleep just gets done because I'm not really doing much else otherwise. (laughs) So yeah, that's another one of those things where it's like, I pray to God that my life isn't like that forever. And I'm glad that it won't be, but (laughs) Yeah, those have been my strategies so far. Okay. And one one other thing that's different this time around is you're now the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel as well. Uh, I was wondering if that means that there's been more bodybuilding stuff and bro stuff in your in your training building up to this or not? Because I saw one uh, old Instagram post of yours where you're like, okay, I'm 10 weeks out. Time to stop training like a bodybuilder and start training like a power lifter again. Do you feel like that's, that's the bigger part of what you do now? Yes. Um, so yeah, right around that time, like 10 weeks out is when, uh, I start 
dropping the things that aren't as specific to powerlifting. So I still have some bro stuff. I like to call it bro stuff for bodybuilding stuff, but it's very, very minimal. Right now, it's the most minimal it will ever be. And yeah, it's really just right now I program in movements that make me feel good in the gym. So if I have, you know, the desire to do bicep curls, which is definitely sometimes there, I will do them. Um, But it is very squat bench and deadlift heavy. There's not much more in between. Yeah, it's definitely a powerlifters program right now. There's no, there's no bro stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, but do you feel like that bro stuff I don't know, is, is more important to you in the foundation part of this? You know, it's three, six months out than it used to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's always been, um, for me, I've always been interested. And I know that I'm going to get stronger by improving or increasing the amount of muscle mass that I have and increasing the amount of lean tissue that I have. And there's no denying that bodybuilders know how to make that happen. So I think I do pull a lot of workouts and inspiration from bodybuilders who have kind of proven that to me. Um, And I think a lot of powerlifters do that. They're always looking to um, other athletes outside of the world of powerlifting um, and other people who've just been lifting longer than us to figure out what's going to be best uh, to increase that amount of lean tissue. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I like about your uplifted program is it treats those as kind of one in the same pro- pro- uh, project as opposed to, I know some people when they think, when they think, all right, it's time to get strong. They only think like, oh no, I'm, I, I only want to do strength stuff. I don't want to do bodybuilding stuff. Like it's two, like two uh, completely different styles of training. Um, they, they definitely seem like they tie in together in, in your approach. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you wanted to be a good power lifter, increasing that amount of muscle mass is where you want to be. And then, you know, on top of that, it's just practicing the main power lifts and getting a lot of volume of those lifts in the program. So that's why uplifted is such a great option because it, combines both of those worlds um, to make it so that someone is in the habit of training hard and doing a lot of movements that are not only isolating the muscle groups that you and muscles that you need to get stronger, but also practicing the squat, practicing Mm -hmm. the bench and practicing the deadlift and variations that support them so that you're really building a bigger powerlifting total, but also a healthy and like well-rounded physique to like support that strength with huge muscles is always the plan. Sure. Sure. And I wanted, I wanted to start talking about treating it like practice. I, I watched your um, deadlift practice prep PR recently, and I wanted to talk to you about those heavy singles, because one thing that I really admire about you is the patience that you have with those reps. I mean, seriously, that's that's like the slowest rep I've ever actually seen somebody pull off, with maybe the exception. I mean, you know, there's some of those uh, Richard Hawthorne reps where, like, and then, of course, every power lifter wants to be compared to Richard Hawthorne because he pulls like five times his body weight. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like, <laughs> he just goes up so slowly, and then he starts nodding his head once it gets past his knees, and you're like, okay, here we go. Somehow he's going to get that yep. fucking thing up again. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you how do you know? when something's going to go at this point, because it seems like you're willing to work through anything to get that thing up. Yeah. I mean, I usually joke and tell people like, Oh, just close your eyes and count to 10 and then it'll eventually leave the floor. Um, but that really is it. I mean, I've been pulling with that like pace or 
timing for a long time. So I'm used to just being patient off the floor. I think when people see it, they're really impressed, but that is just like what my deadlift looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) um, And it just takes time because I'm not only pulling something very heavy. I know in my head that it's like, okay, stay disciplined with this because the more disciplined you are off the floor, the more consistency you'll be with the pool and the you'll be in the right position to make the rest of the pool easier. Um, Because the second you let your body get out of position um, and the second you're like, whatever, I'm just going to rip it off. um, That's when the pool becomes even harder, not only through the initial start, but also through the rest of the rep. So I am focused on staying as disciplined as I possibly can um, so that the lift continues. um, And so that I'm able to get it. So, yeah, I mean, I joke about like closing your eyes and counting to 10, but that really is it. Just stay with the rep and know that if it's on the bar, you're going to pull it. Um, anytime I'm handling a lifter, I always remind them like, okay, whatever that weight is, like we chose to put it on the bar for a reason. So you better pull it off the ground, <laughs> you know, like this. That wasn't an arbitrary call. That's a call because you know that you are that strong. So don't stop pulling if it feels heavy. Like it's heavy because it is. Right. Um, so, but just know that you're stronger than what it is heavy, and you can lift that. So, so yeah, it's just about confidence and and knowing that um, in training, I never want to have to like retake that rep again. I just want it to be over. Right. So it's like, I've already invested one second at least into pulling this. So I might as well just finish it, you know? Sure. No, I, I, I think that's interesting. I, I think of the reps that I've given up on. I feel like when I go up to it, grab the bar, and if it doesn't move right away, there's some part of me that's like, oh, it's just not in the cards. And I've been to a, a, a spectator at a few powerlifting meets where I see somebody doing the exact same thing. It's like, they step up, they have a very clear expectation about this is going to feel this way. And if it doesn't m- match up with those expectations, then they're just like, well, that's it. Guess I'll just not do this one. But <laughs> you, yeah. you, you have a sense of purpose there. Like, no, it's it's going. It's there for a reason. Yeah, totally. I think that's key to like, you know, talking yourself up and like making yourself like feel confident um, when you step up mm-hmm. to the bar. So, so one one other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, since you know you're four or five rounds into this, is how much more knowledgeable you are now about things like nutrition, supplementation, uh, now than than when you first got into really serious national level powerlifting. And I was wondering if you could go back in time and give yourself sort of the one sentence or two sentence cliff notes. Uh, what what would what would you what would you say? Hmm. I'm trying to think of what I I know. Probably my first meet, I probably ate something stupid. Like the the day I competed, <laughs> probably just ate like donuts or something. Right. Uh, so I think meat day nutrition is important. You should probably just keep it as consistent as like what you've been normally eating. That is key. Um, uh, I think other than that, it's just kind of to keep things as consistent throughout your entire prep as possible too. I think at that time when I was first getting started, I didn't have much consistency over my diet at all, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was first getting into like counting macros and I think that's how I dieted down, um, my first meet, um, my first national meet, 
But yeah, I would say just keep things normal and not crazy on the first, whenever you're competing. I think I've seen other meets where people just bring all this, they, you know, cut weight or something and they finally make it into weight and they feel like, oh, I can just eat whatever I want. Um, but that's not going to be too great for your uh, digestive system while you're on the platform. You don't want that to get in the way of you lifting heavy. Um, so that would be my biggest thing is keep things normal and any supplements that you usually take, take them. Um, if you take pre-workout, which I usually do, then bring it to the meat and yeah, try not to go crazy with it, but try to keep things as normally um, as normal as possible in regards to supplementation and nutrition. Sure. Yeah. And I've, you hear all kinds of stories about what people do backstage at powerlifting meets and how they get it wrong, how they self-sabotage. And one of those is definitely uh, somebody who they don't eat enough, but they take a bunch of supplements. Maybe, you know, it's the same supplements they usually take, or maybe it's more and they're just really not prepared for it. Um, do you, Do you feel like you've really kind of figured out how to, how to pace out supplements as you've gotten deeper into that world and how to prepare yourself for, for meat day. I know some people, you know, they'll slowly introduce caffeine before the, before a meat or something like that, just to really make sure that it's, it's part of the periodization almost. Yep. Yeah. I think before, um, like my first year, I didn't really take much pre-workout or any, any kind of like pre-lift supplementation, maybe just a coffee, but it was never timed appropriately. It was never like really planned. Um, and now I am more inclined on heavy sessions or like if I'm going for a PR, I'll be more inclined to take a pre-workout supplement. Um, because I know that it's just going to give me, um, there's something to say about feeling good when you're lifting and like feeling energized. And even though I don't think that simulation is really going to mean an extra five kilos for me on the platform. It's just a matter of me feeling good and awake and energized. Um, that is something that, you know, I think supplementation can play a role in. Um, you know, I'm in a good mood. I have a little bit extra caffeine. Um, I wouldn't suggest someone taking like two or three scoops because right. a powerlifting meet is a long day and you, you do want to, you don't want to peak and then, you know, crash at the end. But I would, you know, I think having a pre-workout supplement is key to like training. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and especially if you're training the heavy deadlift where you have to wait like five seconds before it leaves the ground. Um, so, you know, those are things that definitely, it's not like a magic pill or a magic solution, but definitely something that can help. Mm -hmm. No, I like the way you put that. It's, it's about feeling good. I, feel, I think feeling good is underappreciated. That's sort of a theme of this discussion, I think, so far. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, I, I, I wanted to save room for this in here as well. You mentioned in your, it was either your butt video or your boobs video recently. I don't remember which one it was, uh, that you're also in, <laughs> you're into the new bodybuilding.com signature protein bar. And I've been sampling these as well. And I had to ask, does that mean that the Rice Krispie treat is no longer part of your uh, your training day? Oh, man. You can't make them choose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do both. Um, <laughs> they're both delicious. They are. Um, no, they're, I can't believe how good they are. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think... So, actually, I've been kind of hot in my gym right now because I've been training in my garage. So, I've been drinking more. Um, I've been doing more of, like, drinking my carbs. So, I'll have a Gatorade just so that I'm staying a little extra hydrated, um, getting my carbs at the same time. Um, so I'll still have my, I'll still have both the Krispies and the bars, but 
I like to have the bars as just a snack throughout the day mm-hmm. um, in case I'm like, don't want to cook or don't want to, you know, I need something quick. So I probably won't use the bars as like an intro workout, mm-hmm. um, although they would kind of fulfill all the, I'll check off the, all the boxes for an intro workout supplement, but since it's getting hot, I'd rather just drink something. Um, so yeah, I like to have it for like a breakfast snack. So that oh, I'm getting my okay. protein in throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, my nutrition plan does have me spacing out my protein in like even, um, you know, I, I'm, it's distributed evenly throughout the day. So having that snack, that's like 20 grams of carbs, 20 grams of protein, even, and like, you know, it's just kind of straightforward is a straightforward, small meal for me. So that's good. It's like, it's just a little, a little situational solution. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I understand what you're saying as well. When it's during training that Rice Krispie Treat or Gatorade can make more sense just because it's, it's very simple. You know exactly what you, what you're taking it for and what you're getting in. There's, I mean, there's nothing simpler than a Rice Krispie Treat. It's just sugar and rice basically, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, now, I, want, I wanted to check in with you about Uplifted as well. Uh, Uplifted, Build Muscle and Strength with Meg Squats, this program you did with us in bodybuilding.com all access. I wanted to ask you what you've been hearing from people who tried it and how, how that program or training like that factored into, you know, your, your buildup over the last year for this sort of event. Um, yeah, so Uplifted was what I ran in my off season, kind of as I transitioned from, you know, uh, I took some time off after my last meet and then I was, you know, you know, just doing some bro stuff and like having fun in the gym to getting back on a, you know, consistent focused program. Um, I ran uplifted. And so that experience, that time I kind of took away from powerlifting and like just getting back into things was, you know, spent, doing a lot of bodybuilding stuff while still getting back into the squat bench and deadlift. So that program was what I accredit some of the muscle gain that I made in the off season. And that, you know, I ran that in my, as my off season program and like, you know, slowly adapted to getting into a powerlifting program uh, after that. I think I ran like 16 weeks of uplifted. I think in the second half of the eight weeks, we made some minor adjustments. But yeah, that was the program that I ran in my off season. And, you know, I adjusted it to make it accessible for anyone. Um, But I think overall, it's a program that can be run by someone like me who's getting ready for her, you know, I think this is my sixth powerlifting meet, sixth or seventh powerlifting meet after four years of powerlifting um, at a national level. Um, And then some of the transformations that I've been reading online are from beginner lifters, general lifters, or off-season powerlifters. So it's been really exciting to see how many different people can run a program that is, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, Mm -hmm. um, but it is something that can work for a lot of different people. So it's been exciting to like know and be confident in my own progress, but also to see other people who run it. I've seen like in-depth, uh, reviews of the program on like Reddit. So that's been really cool to see how someone's body fat percentage has changed, um, to see how, you know, much stronger they've gotten. Um, and you know, people ask me all the time, like, Oh, what do I do next? I'm like, uh, if it works, then you should just run it again. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in that. Um, and that's exactly what I did, uh, for my long off season. So it's been really cool. And I love, 
you know, getting feedback from people. And I love seeing that people, when people are like on their first day or like first week of uplifted, I'm just like really excited for them. So yeah, no, I, I like that you offer up the uh, the possibility of running something twice in a row too. I think a lot of people just think, okay, I did it, I'm done, but it's it's totally an underappreciated tactic to say, all right, I'm going to go back and I actually am going to be so much better and more confident the next time because I know what I'm doing. That first two weeks, you're just finding your feet generally in any program. Yep, and now that your you know your numbers have changed and you're stronger after the first eight weeks, it is a different program because one, you're better. Two, the weights are going to be heavier um, because we, you know, calculate them off of percentages and RPE. So you're going to be more in tune with what your rate of perceived exertion is, and you'll just know how to run it even more efficiently. And there's a lot of different movements in that program, too. So I don't think there's any fear of boredom in it at all, because if anything, it's even better for you to get more in the habit of squatting, benching and deadlifting, because you're just going to be better um, with sure. more practice. So now, what, uh, remind me of the, the date of the meet. You're how, how many days out? Um, the meet is October 12th and I'm two weeks out. I'm a little under two weeks out. So okay. maybe one week and five days. Okay. Four days. Wow. So it's possible that when when this conversation gets published, you'll have already uh, competed. I'll see if I can get it out sooner. But if if it does get out sooner, how can we how can we watch you in the meet? Is there a way that we can stream it? That's a good question. Usually, Bodyline.com streams it. But well, let, let let's just say check. we are. Then I'm I'm sure. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. make it happen. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Last minute. Uh, so yeah, the meet will be streamed. You can probably find it on USAPL, um, USA Powerlifting's Instagram, which is at USA Powerlifting, and they'll link it so that you can watch um, the streaming. I recommend if anyone's watching to check out the schedule and check out the prime time sessions. Um, but I will be competing on Friday morning, October twelfth, the morning of October twelfth. So. I'm a 63 kilo powerlifter, so I'll be in the 63 kilo session. So, yeah, uh, check it out and look for me. And yeah, comment, go Meg on the live stream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll certainly be watching here. Uh, best of luck. Thanks, thanks for talking to us, Meg. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate the the call and the interview. And now I'm even more excited to train. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I would just consider bumping it from ten to thirty today if you're going to do a hard set of ten. Thirty is really underrated. That's where that's where the magic happens. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Maybe I'll try it. <laughs> Maybe I'll try it. Um, so I just turned thirty. And a lot of people will do on their birthday, they'll do like a, how many, their body weight for how many squats, they'll squat their body weight for however many years old they are. Uh And I mean, my birthday, I was like in the, you know, I was like four weeks out. So I was like, no, there's no way I'm doing that. (laughs) No way. I I don't want to be responsible for for a horrific gym accident here, but Maybe maybe I'll try it with fake weights. Well, the, the, you know, the, the old breathing squat programs, um, they, they would have you use your 10 to 12 rep max for 20 reps with the idea being that you have to stop and pause and then you do one stop and pause. And so, yeah, it's, it, that's the idea is that you just stretch it out, stretch it out. 
And this particular program that I'm following, it builds up to a set, uh, like a rest pause set of 50 with 185 that's in six weeks from now. And I'm just dreading that. I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. Like, what, what is that experience like? It's going to take me like 10 minutes to do that. So that's oh that's where it's headed. So I think 30 with your, with your body weight as strong as you are, it's definitely, definitely feasible. It could be kind of fun. All right. Well, if I do it, I'll put it on Instagram. That's for sure. Excellent. Blow out some candles at the end of it <laughs> or throw up on the cake yeah. or something. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you so much. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.